0: a special episode of spark your fire we are always trying out different things all right so john i think this time we are going to do this is like a webinar type of um um, session this time actually um and the reason for that is because uh john and i you know uh, like like we said last time with these sydney to gold prices or sydney to different type of capital city prices comparisons, it's really really difficult to explain without visualizing the graphs so you know, that's why I thought it would make sense for us to be able to go through or do it this time as a webinar instead of just a podcast. Um, and, um, and and John is really actually going to drive his part um, this time. You know, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it, John. Anyway, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, really good. Really good. Looking forward to today. It's it's There's some really interesting things that you would never have, uh, that no one would have ever seen before. It's, c- yeah, trying to really get under the bonnet of how to know whether real estate is expensive, and if so, how much, and if so, compared to what. It's really going to be good stuff. Stick yeah, around.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, it's basically combining the best of property economics with the historical data um, to, yep. a, to a degree, isn't it? So... Anyway, so I think that's uh, that's good, and uh, you know, uh, as always, welcome to our show. Uh, we um, this this today is all about um, different comparisons, and, and and I think you know we we're so used to looking at prices just, I um, you know on a dollar basis, but um, you know you you'll probably find a very different perspective when you actually look at uh, when you compare prices and prices from a. Ratio perspective, and that's what John is really going to dig in today. So, anyway, I think we set the scene. Without any further ado, John, let's dig in.
1: All right. So, we are trying to answer the question whether or not property is expensive right now, and we're going to we're going to build up to some some fairly unique analysis. But um, I want to start at the very beginning. This is this is what Sydney house prices have done. Now, this is ha- this is house prices. It doesn't include. Uh, it doesn't include units, so it's it's uh, median house prices for Sydney uh, since 1979, and this goes right up to June 2022, so it's about a month old. It's pretty pretty current. <clears throat> and, um, I mean, the main thing – there are two really important things to note here, but one is this: this actually validates – the your grandparents instructions when they said go out and buy real estate because um, we're we're told that we're a bit silly if we say oh real estate always goes up and while it's not exactly true every year it's true over long periods of time so this is a an upward sloping chart and real estate does go up and when anyone tells you you're too simple to think that um, it's actually not true real estate does actually go up over over time with some exceptions over a short periods of time that's the first thing the second thing is that real estate has become actually fairly volatile since 2008 mm-hmm. So 2008, I'm not sure if you can see my cursor, but it's around here. It's about two-thirds of the way through the chart. And up until 2008, the GFC, real estate had its ups and downs, but it was fairly stable. It was like this ongoing inflation hedge. After 2008, everything changed, and real estate went from this sort of linear, uh, smooth, upward trajectory with with peaks and troughs to a series of V-shaped booms and busts. Mm. Now, what happened in 2008, the GFC, obviously, but we've had essentially zero interest rates ever since. So this is the, quote, stabilising influence of zero interest rates. It's been very destabilising. And this is what an economy looks like without... Without savings, right? We don't have savings necessarily. This is what it looks like when we have hyper central bank intervention. That's just my uh, contribution there. But but volatility since two thousand and eight, I think, is the message. And as we as we start to bring our analysis into the present, um, what we've seen in the past is there are V-shaped recoveries. My guess is there'll be another one, another V-shaped recovery this time. It's a series of short, sharp corrections followed by stimulus.
0: Mm. Now they didn't last very long, aren't they? Looking at no. those, uh, no, no.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what? Like, it's a long time series, so those periods feel longer than they are. But when you zoom out, it's quick. It's quick.
0: In terms of those metrics, are they are they looking at three six months um, on that, or are they looking like more like years? Because I know I think the the access the x ex, ex, is probably a bit too small for people to read. That's why my concern is. So, like, can you just give us a bit of quantifying in terms of how that? um what those V-shapes usually like on average would be lasting for.
1: Right. Okay. So the V shapes are about a year. About a year. A okay. year to 18 months. Yep. Yep. Depending on the V shape. Mm. So that that's just the general shape of real estate in Sydney and you can extrapolate that across uh, other capital cities as well. Um if we if we move on to, to something else that's interesting but but a little bit of a tangent. This is what happens when we overlay stock market crashes onto onto the real estate market. Now now, when the economy goes bad and the stock market tanks, um, there's a there's a temptation to project that doom and gloom onto the real estate market. But actually, if you if you look at the historic performance of real estate during real estate crashes, it's very impressive. So, 1987, when real estate crashed by 25% in one day, real estate went up very. It's hard to tell when we zoom out this much, but that was a very big period of time for real estate appreciation. The dot com crash in, in 2000, um, it, it went up very, very steep. Part of that was actually the Sydney Olympics as well, um, but real estate went up very, very uh, aggressively. Then the GFC, so there's a little bit of a dip uh, followed by an upward movement in, in real estate prices. Um, and then we had the COVID lockdowns. So remember the COVID lockdowns, the stock market went down by about 30 to 35%. Mm. And then, so there's a, a little dip in Real estate, and then a big boom. Now, the reason this, the two reasons why this tends to happen, one is that um, real estate represents a flight to safety, so it's a tangible asset. There's a that flight to safety element, and two, because real estate is quite illiquid, um, what tends to happen is the the central banks come in to to stimulate, to offset the impact of the stock market crash. But because real estate isn't liquid enough to get affected by the stock market crash, it catches the upswing and the stimulus, but it doesn't catch the, the fear of the, um, of the stock market crash. I, f- I thought this was quite interesting as well.
0: Yeah. No, indeed. It's, it's always interesting to see, you know, especially when you put it this way in comparison to the, to the key events that We've known, you know, the GFCs, the dot com crash. How has property performed across those periods when mm. stock market we all know had a bloodbath because of its liquidity? Um, whereas property seemed to be standing pretty well, I gotta say.
1: Yeah, yeah. And look at the moment, real st- uh, our stock markets or the key indices are off about 30% in the US as well, although that happened over a much longer period of time. And um, you've, you know, you've just got to ride through these little dips to catch the big upswing, which are often but not always uh, follows. Mm. Um the next slide is uh, really interesting as well. So the the other the other conversation that's happening at the moment is interest rates are going up therefore real estate must go down. And there is a correlation but uh, real estate's a highly leveraged asset so of course there's a correlation between higher interest rates and um, and lower house prices or lower asset prices. However, this is that same Sydney house price chart with um periods of rising interest rates uh highlighted so you've got that period from 1960 to 1990 the 60s actually real uh, interest rates went up and down but i broadly sort of included that um and we know that the interest rates in the late 80s were very high mm. um, then we've got that period from 2001 to 2008 that there were uh, rising uh, loan prices or loan rates and a brief period uh at the end of the last decade but interest rates are generally speaking going down, actually. Um, but what we see here is that, you know, real estate prices are broadly speaking, broadly speaking, rising even when interest rates go up. You could make an argument that real estate prices dip after they've finished raising interest rates. So you can see that between two thousand one and two thousand eight. So you could certainly make a case that there's an impact towards the end of a, of a real estate tightening cycle. That's probably a fair fair comment. Mm. But the big the big um, Example that people use is if we look to the left of the the chart, um, and we so this chart begins in nineteen seventy nine. But if you take nineteen seventy to nineteen ninety, um, real estate prices. The average price in nineteen seventy was eighteen thousand dollars. That was the median price of a house in Sydney, and by nineteen ninety, it had gone up tenfold to one hundred eighty thousand. Wow. So, 20 years, 10x gains, and interest rates were rising that whole time. Or broadly speaking, so, so we just need to be careful that we don't oversimplify real estate to this univariable um, asset, which is uh, it. It's only dependent on rising interest rates. It's dependent on a bunch of things. Uh, obviously, population growth is a big thing, but land releases. Um, uh cost of materials all these sorts of things don't get don't fall into the trap of just saying interest rates are going up therefore real estate has to come down
0: and john i think one more thing to add as well yeah. i was wondering why that uh v shaped dip around the the 18s the 17s and the 18s to the 19s right that and i remember that was when APRA pulled a handbrake Ah, uh, um, yes in terms of the lending so
1: that's you know, a good point
0: yeah, and to, so to add on to your point, definitely not a uni uh, metric in order to evaluate this. There's a lot more factors, including how easy and how easy to be able to access um, credit uh, is is also an important factor as uh, yes. part of this consideration.
1: Yeah, and I like your analogy. Pulled the handbrake up. It was it was very much like that. They didn't touch interest rates, but they tightened lending, and um, and they had a bigger impact, you might say, than than the higher mm. interest rates. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's re- so that that's really interesting. So that's just context building. Now, obviously, you can't look at this chart without noticing the far right, which is almost a vertical move in real estate since 20. 20- sort of early 2020 maybe uh midway through 2020 uh and and we'll discuss that but real estate is um is expensive at the moment it's always expensive now what i want you to take away from this is i don't think we should be judging how expensive real estate is from this chart of nominal house prices i think there are other ways to look at it Mm -hmm. and we'll get into that okay now i've gone straight into something that's quite interesting but if we're saying that you can't. So, what my ultimate thesis is is, in a, in a, a period of inflation, and you know some periods are more inflationary than others, and other periods are less inflationary. But we we have a permanent inflationary system. So either there's inflation of three or four percent, or there's inflation of eight percent, but there's always inflation, um, and therefore it's very difficult to assess over and undervaluation without using ratios so when they say sydney's really expensive the question uh to ask is compared to what so the next couple of slides we're going to ask um which is the most expensive capital city in in australia looking at house prices and i I've, i've flicked onto this slide probably too early but this is the uh, Sydney to Brisbane ratio, and this is how you have to look at this stuff because you have to ask: Is Sydney expensive compared to Brisbane, or is Brisbane expensive compared to Sydney? Now, Brisbane is a much cheaper capital city. Obviously, you can buy a, a price for, say, thirty or four uh, a for say thirty or forty percent less. But that's too simplistic. The way we should be thinking about it is: if we look at the um, the ratio of Sydney to Brisbane house prices, when is Sydney expensive and when is a uh, Brisbane expensive, and when we look at the the Brisbane to Sydney ratio, it's always bouncing between, um, let's say two hundred uh, Sydney being twice as expensive, two hundred percent to hundred and fifty percent, um, the price of a Brisbane property. So it's yeah. bouncing between one and a half times a Brisbane uh, house price to twice a Brisbane house price. The average since nineteen seventy nine, and this is this you know length length of this data set um the average is that sydney is 170% the price of a brisbane property and on average you know that sydney is cheap compared to brisbane when it dips to about 150% and you know it's expensive when it gets to twice as expensive so 200% mm. expensive 150%s cheap and currently sydney is 155% the median house price of a, a brisbane home and again this is pre July numbers, so July would have exacerbated this a little bit. It suggests that Sydney is at the the cheaper end of this range, and it, it's likely to hit one hundred and fifty percent and then start bouncing up. So, so shortly, Sydney is likely to start outperforming Brisbane. Now, what that now now both Sydney and Brisbane can be coming down, but what this is suggesting is that in a, in about three months or so, Brisbane will be falling faster than Sydney. Mm um and it suggests overall that Brisbane is versus history um about 9% overvalued compared to Sydney. Yep. Now, now Dave I know you've got a dog in this fight uh, owning <laughs> property in both both of these capitals but what what do you think of this as a as a concept and um, uh, and is this how you kind of cuz because you're watching both of these markets is this where you feel the market is at?
0: Look, I do, I do agree uh, in in that sense because I mean Brisbane just had one of the biggest rises. Well, we're talking about probably thirty percent in the last twelve, twenty four months, mm-hmm. right? In comparison to what Sydney has. So, if we're talking in terms of the dollar value, sure, you know Sydney is always much more expensive. But yeah, if you put into this type of context to say, you know, if we if we do a you know city to city match ratio uh, and map it out just like the graph in front of us yeah this is an interesting trend um i do think that at the moment because of the brisbane property prices are still fairly high that's why um, and and sydney has already dropped um, as you can Mm -hmm. see in the last few months that's why you can see that sharp decline right literally for the last two to three months Um, but if brisbane continues if Brisbane also starts to drop um, and it depends on the velocity of the, of the drop, um, this graph will probably, you know, swing back again towards it in, back into the 150 yeah. to 200% range, right? And it will stabilize mm. around that just as per the previous historical models. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is, it is, it is an interesting concept because uh, Brisbane, What well, if we look at the biggest one, the Brisbane was overvalued around 2009 and, um, that period of time, right? So that's that's when, yep. that's when it dipped below, way below 150. Uh, what was the key events around that time? That was when GFC hit, 2008, well, 2009.
1: Yes, that's right. Um, so it suggests that um, in the lead up to the GFC, Brisbane became over more overvalued than Sydney. Like in in a sense, it became the most overvalued Brisbane ever was mm. actually in the lead up to 2008. Um, but I'm wondering, is that when the when were the Brisbane floods that that had a a, a multi-year impact on Brisbane real estate?
0: It, it flooded around. I think it was around the early 20, 2010s, um right, which is right. when which is when it starts to come back again towards that period. I think if you look at well, from 2009, it starts to go back up, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so could have been around that period if my memory serves me right.
1: Now the interesting thing is, according to this, this is saying that. It, the, the Brisbane floods were a coincidence. The reason that Brisbane underperformed in the 2010s is not because of the floods. It's because it went by, by 2010 or mm. 20, uh, 2009, Brisbane was way overvalued um, and it had nothing to do with it. So it was just the the markets rebalancing. Um, and then, of course, it peaked and Sydney became hyper expensive in 2017 And it's sort of been zigzagging ever since. So 2017, then Sydney became overvalued compared Mm -hmm. to Brisbane. And then we had this sort of zigzagging a little bit until 2021, let's say midway through 2021, Sydney prices have crashed relative to Brisbane prices. And that's why you have this vertical fall where Brisbane went up, say, 20%, and Sydney hasn't done anything in the last 12 months. Mm. So very interesting there.
0: It is indeed.
1: All right, let's look at another couple of capital cities. Melbourne. Melbourne to Sydney. Now Melbourne and Sydney are very comparable cities. They're the most liquid markets, they're the biggest capitals, and so on. So here we have the Brisbane, the Melbourne to Sydney ratio uh, at if uh, when the the chart goes up, Sydney's expensive, and when the chart goes down, Melbourne's expensive. And right now, and that that dotted line that runs through, that's not the average. that's the that's a trend line. So, the average and the trend line aren't the same thing. But right now, Sydney and Melbourne are in almost perfect equilibrium. So Sydney is usually about 140% of Melbourne prices. So we're about 40% dearer than Melbourne on average. And currently, we're 42% more expensive than than Melbourne. So, we're a, so Sydney is about... 2% overvalued compared to Melbourne. So if you had to choose between Sydney and Melbourne and you wanted to buy into the cheaper market, you'd say Melbourne is slightly cheaper than Sydney by about
0: 2%. I wonder what, um, after a few more months of, um, uh, I guess, price decreases, whether this mm. is going to invert
1: yeah 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 yeah. i mean i'm not quite sure what happens next my guess is that melbourne will overperform sydney Mm. for a little while but um you know there are periods of like adelaide's a good example i don't have a chart a chart on adelaide adelaide has felt like it has gone up very quickly and and very pronounced over only a couple of years this data would suggest it was just catching up it's – Adelaide is not overvalued. Adelaide is still slightly undervalued compared to his, its historicals. So it's a way to to say, are we catching up or are we overshooting? Um, right now, this sort of – Melbourne was overvalued in about 2018 uh, when it had all the population growth, and that sort of lead up to, to COVID. Um, and it has languished compared to other markets. But actually, it was kind of overvalued before,
0: mm. before
1: the COVID lockdown. So –
0: yeah no this is this is definitely interesting so i guess you know for people for investors is looking at melbourne right now um it's it's kind of at the equilibrium you know if you're buying into melbourne into current prices in comparison to sydney you're probably not gonna get much of much more value much more value if as compared if you're buying something in sydney isn't it
1: a hundred percent, yeah. So these two markets are pretty similar; they're in the, they're in balance. But the next market we're going to look at is not in balance. This is where the biggest arbitrage opportunity is. Perth, Perth is Perth is undervalued by about thirty percent. So let's have a look. This is the 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 Perth to Sydney ratio, and the higher it goes, the more expensive Sydney is, and the lower it goes, the more expensive Perth is. Mm. Now this is about as out of whack as Sydney and Perth have ever been, at least since the, uh, since the what, the 80s, right? Yeah. Um, so here we have a situation where um, the average, since uh, this data set doesn't go back quite as far, but, but the average since 1990 is that Sydney is 80% more expensive than Perth. So it, it's 180% of the Perth price. Yeah. Currently, Sydney is at 236% of uh, the average Perth property mm. which is to say that sydney is about 30% overvalued compared to perth or perth is 30% undervalued compared to sydney and uh, when we look at the gold ratios this really jumps out as well perth is very very undervalued uh compared to gold as well so these are these are like real it, it's this is more than perth feels um ex- feels cheap and it's due a correction like we can we can validate perth is is cheap this is historically very out of whack yep. and it should and it seems to be starting already correcting towards that that mean
0: yeah wow it's interesting at before before it starts to turn around which is i'm assuming that's when sydney pro- property prices starts to turn around right yeah it, it almost hit 250 percent, which means sydney property prices was about 2.5 times as what Perth yep. prices yeah that's at right at that point and and that dotted line is still trending down as well yeah which is, um Yeah, which is interesting. So that that explains why there's so many investors eyeing perfect at the moment, just because they've got so much value. In terms of you know every dollar that you invest into Perth is working really really hard uh, yep. in comparison if you live in in Sydney and funny enough John if you're not a Sydney buyer's agent I would have I would have thought that you're some you're something you're looking at yeah basically
1: no, helping yeah. to invest in Perth look if you're looking to invest in Perth this would this would suggest that's a very wise decision but I I can't help you there uh, you- <laughs> um, but shame. look this is the last of the the Sydney versus other capital cities. Um, uh, you know, you could do Sydney to Canberra and so on, but let me let me um, sort of just tie a bow on this because we'll we'll look at gold in a few moments. Um, uh, this would suggest, and and the gold metrics would suggest also that um, Brisbane is the most overvalued city in in Australia right now. Now, of course, it it's not as expensive as Sydney, but in relative terms, it is it is more expensive than than Sydney. It's certainly more expensive than Brisbane historically the most undervalued city in Australia is Perth by, uh, by a lot. So Brisbane's about 21% overvalued. Perth is about 30% undervalued. Did I say Brisbane's overvalued, Perth is undervalued? Right. Yep. And this sort of unfairly and uh, promotes Sydney to like the anchor city, like the, the city against which we compare. But generally S- Sydney is a little bit overvalued. So Sydney is single digits overvalued, as is Melbourne, um, and the two undervalued cities in Australia are Perth and Adelaide. There you go. Good
0: summary. I think that's a great summary.
1: But but Adelaide is nearly equilibrium. So it's only It would, a, be,
0: it would be great to have the Adelaide uh, <laughs> diagram on here. But anyway, I mean, you know, John, I think you've got the
1: point. You've Maybe next point week, across. yes, I think you've got the point. So just a couple more slides. So I want to introduce gold now. So why is gold important as a way to evaluate, evaluate value over long periods of time? Now the, the the problem with this chart, and I'm going to go right back up to the beginning. Right, the problem with this chart is that we're measuring Sydney house prices in units of currency. Now, currency we know is losing value every year under a dynamic we call inflation. So every year, one dollar becomes slightly less value than valuable than the year before. So you can't measure a Sydney house in a 1979 dollar and say and and then compare a 2022 house in the 1979 dollar. Um, it's like me measuring myself, changing the length of the ruler, and then saying, oh, I'm seven foot now. Um, so you know, my height's changed. Actually, my height hasn't changed. The ruler has changed. And in this case, that ruler is is Aussie dollars. Aussie dollars are changing every year. So you need to find a, a an anchor, a unit of account that doesn't change. And historically, that unit of account has been gold now um you could use bushels of wheat and barrels of oil because you don't want to compare um you don't want to compare house prices to to paper currencies um but the reason we use gold is because gold is historically been uh, a monetary metal so we don't compare sydney house prices to diamonds or copper or anything like that we compare it to to gold all right now the reason that's also important is because if I was to put a chart of bread prices on the screen or movie ticket prices, movie ticket prices would look like that as well. So would, so would bread prices. Inflation's making everything look more expensive. Um, now what we want to be able to move our thinking towards is if movie tickets have become four times more uh, have gone up four times in one decade, but real estate's only doubled, Real estate is relatively cheap compared to movie tickets or relatively cheap compared to all the other goods in the economy. So you can't just look at this chart and say real estate's therefore expensive. What if everything else is going up faster? Make sense? So yes. let's compare it to gold because gold is the closest thing we can get to money. This is what Sydney house prices looks like uh, in, in terms of gold. And that this is interesting that we have to get, a, get away from this idea that in real terms, prices are always going up because they're always going up in nominal terms. But Sydney is currently, the average median Sydney house price is currently 523 ounces of gold, right? This is back to 1979. So what, 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 what this says is that real estate is actually trapped in a valuation channel. It just moves from overvalued to undervalued to overvalued to undervalued, to undervalued and it's going to do that forever and ever and ever. Even though the prices will be going up, it'll actually be doing this. Now, now Dave and I, we, we, did a, we did a webinar in 2020, April, 1st of April, 2020, uh, April yep. Fool's Day, actually. <laughs> and on this day, we were down, I'm not sure if you can see the cursor, but we were right on that 400 ounces line. Mm. And we were going into COVID lockdowns and everyone said, Sydney real estate is going to plunge by 30%. And I said, real estate is going to go straight up. And the reason for that is I knew it was bouncing off this line. It, it was already extremely undervalued in uh, at the by the end of 2019. Real estate was very cheap by the end of 2019. So it couldn't really go down. It had already done its correction. So Sydney real estate tends to bounce between 400 and 600 ounces. It's just sort of zigzagging between these two lines, right? Now, in the 80s, it was around 200 ounces but that was before the period of deregulation in the in the banking sector so once competition was introduced real estate prices shifted up to about 400 ounces and then they've been zigzagging ever since we went mm. into a hyper bubble in about 2004 straight after the sydney olympics but but that was also a hyper bubble in all of the capital cities and the real estate market has been correcting ever since and now it's it's comfortably within this valuation channel of 400 to 600 ounces mm. currently it's 523 ounces which is sort of two-thirds of the way to the towards the top of that range um and it's about 10 percent above its it's sort of long-term average so it's long-term average is uh, just below 500 ounces. That's the long-term average. So right now we're at 523 ounces. So it's it's expensive. But the way to think about it is Sydney is in its at the same price it was in about 2021 or November 2018 or April 2016 or March 1997. That's what the prices are. And if you and, and if you ask me, would you have wanted to buy in March 1997? I would have said yes.
0: Absolutely,
1: right. That was, that's that's a
0: <laughs> <it>. two hundred ratio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Two hundred
1: ounces. Now, um, what's going to happen is this: this line is going to then drop to that four hundred ounce level. I would suggest that's where it's that's where yep. its next stop is. And don't forget, this is, doesn't include July, so it would be already a bit lower than this. Mm. But then it would it'll bounce back up. Uh, so. The point of this is not to tell you that Sydney real estate is cheap. Sydney real estate is expensive. Sydney real estate is probably slightly overvalued uh, at the moment. But what the point of this uh, slide is to say is that it's not in the bubble that you think it's in because it's not in the bubble that that very first slide suggests. It's it's actually around its long-term average. What we've seen is a period of enormous currency devaluation across the globe. That's what we're seeing. Real estate hasn't really done anything. So so you can buy real estate comfortably if that's what you want to do um, because there are bubbles everywhere in the economy and and real estate really isn't one of the big bubbles. If you did the Dow Jones to gold ratio, the stock markets are in a bigger bubble than real estate is historically. That's enough. Yeah. My jibber jabber uh, <laughs> any thoughts so I can catch no, my breath.
0: That's really good, John. I think it definitely this this is the slide that would change people's perspectives because when you take that inflation component out, this is you know, this is really where where it shows the true value of the asset. Yeah. You know? mm. Is it is it really overvalued or is it or is it undervalued? How much is it overvalued by? Um, you know, so yeah, no look, I think this is this is this is really great. And Gold is just one of those things that you use, John. You know, I think if people can map this based on any kind of like silver, let's say, for example, any you know, yep. rare metal kind of stuff, you know, and I, would, I would say they'll probably give very similar type of results, don't you? Do, do, you, do you agree, John?
1: Y- yes. I mean, silver swings a bit more, but it's another monetary metal. But you, yeah. what you want is you want to compare it to stuff that doesn't get printed. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you want to compare it yeah. all the
0: time, basically, and yeah. you know, just keep, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: But the other thing is you want to compare it to, uh, uh commodities that don't get consumed so oil oil gets dug up but then it Mm. gets consumed whereas uh, gold gets hoarded silver gets silver's got some industrial uses, but but there is something special about gold that makes it more the most monetary of all the metals um, because it, it gets kept it doesn't get um it doesn't get consumed and then sort of you know become vapor at the back of your uh, car yeah. um but look th- th- there are a couple of other things to say remember in 2003 between 2003 and 2013 real estate didn't go up very much that's because it was working off all of this overvaluation in 2003 2004 um and it and it it took it took nearly a decade to work off this overvaluation what I want to convey to you is that's not where we are now. If we're in a rising market towards the end of this year or beginning of next year, um, that would make sense because this has to reach undervaluation. It has to go down to the support line hmm. and then probably go back up. D- don't think that th- this is one of those periods of excess uh, bubbles. It's not. This is not one of those periods of excessive um, real estate speculation. Yep. Um and let's have a look at Brisbane. Now, I could have put all the capitals here, but I chose just Brisbane because Brisbane's, Brisbane's interesting. Sydney and Melbourne are very similar, so we don't need to show that. Perth would show incredible undervaluation in Perth. We've covered that. I just want to show you Brisbane to gold. So Brisbane to gold. Um, Brisbane to gold also suggests that real estate as an asset class is not in a hyper bubble. The hyper bubble was at the beginning of the century. Brisbane is still above its uh, long-term average, but it's only about 5% above its average. Mm. Um, Sorry, it's 21% above its all-time average. Uh It's about 5% below its average for the century, whereas Sydney is, say, 15% below its average for the century. Mm. Um, So, you know, right now the average price of real estate is 279 ounces, whereas, uh, sorry, that's the average, whereas it's currently at 338 ounces. So it's about 21% overpriced. Yeah,
0: so while it's while it's overpriced, but it's not vastly overpriced uh, at this point in time is what is what you're trying to convey there, isn't it? About twenty percent. That's 20% right, and over twenty percent over.
1: Mm. And Brisbane seems to be within this corridor here of between 200 and 300 ounces. And when it goes, gets above three hundred ounces, uh, that's when it starts to look expensive. And when it goes below two hundred ounces, it's looking very very inexpensive. But okay. but real estate is, but but Brisbane is Brisbane is hasn't corrected yet whereas and and that's the reason the reason is is because it's it was quite undervalued uh, mm. in 2017
0: and then and then since then it's essentially been going upwards um so now that's you know that that's another reason or another evidence to support that right now Brisbane is overvalued um, to a degree
1: yeah it's it's overvalued compared to the other capitals mm. um it's slightly overvalued compared to its history um but um you know, I guess that the main takeaway is uh, that real estate, I don't think, is in the bubble that we think it's in. I think that we're in – it came out of a period of very, very aggressive currency devaluation, and it's distorting how we think about what things are worth.
0: Yeah, and this would give you the perspective and the evidence to say that, you know, by, by taking out of the currency devaluation model, this is what's really shown is yeah. true value when you compare yeah. it to – the gold as an example yep yeah, yep. yeah. that's right yeah oh, very good very that's good that's all job I have for you i'm impressed as always mate uh, when it comes to uh, <laughs> when it comes to these and a lot of our listeners wouldn't have gone through these type of things unless of course they they've gone through the webinar uh, with us back in april so um you know i, I certainly would uh, suggest that Um, you know, if you, if you are tuning in today through the podcast, I would definitely recommend you to check out the YouTube video because a lot of the explanation here would not make sense without seeing the slides in action. And look, John, you've done a fantastic job when explaining it too. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, as, as always, it's impressive, but yeah, definitely, um, we'll put the link in the, um, uh, in our podcast, um, as well, uh, just so that people can access it. Um, any final remarks, John, on this?
1: No, I mean I'd I'd say that the next move in real estate will be will be down, but it won't be down for for, it won't be a prolonged period of uh, um, of correction. I I don't think, unless we start to, to get hyper undervaluation, in which case we should all be licking our chops. Yeah, that's right.
0: All right. Okay. Well, thank you, John. Um, as always, it's a uh, fascinating stuff. Um, and, um, you know, to our listeners, uh, thank you for joining us today uh, for a special episode. And uh, look, you know, I think if you've got any questions for John about today's content, feel free to drop us a line in email or anything like that. Uh, or just comment below because this will be put on the YouTube channel. So, uh, you know, if you got any questions that you would like to ask John, just, um, yeah, just just basically chuck the question down there. and. Uh, John and I will uh, definitely try to do our best to answer any of the questions you have. But otherwise, um, uh, we will see you again in another episode of Spark Your Fire. Thank you, John and David.